We have the privilege this morning, as you know, this, this church is we are in a multicultural and an intergenerational church, and we also love to hear the voices of young and old and everything in between. And um, this morning, Dan, he asked if he could share his story. And Dan, come stand here briefly, brother. And Dan is going to come and share his story with us. And then out of his story, I'm just going to share the rest of the message and just weave in something coming out of the story. But, but I know this, that we, that we get to learn from each other. And a lot of us have got stories which were going one way, and suddenly God is able to do something wonderful with it. And it's so encouraging, and it's so exhorting to hear what God can do with anybody at any time when we are willing to trust Him. So Dan, have fun, brother. So, if you guys can hear me, if you can't hear me, you It'll have to be a platform for me to stand so you can see me. Um, I'd just like to pray first, so if you guys would bow your heads. Father, I thank you so much for your grace and for your love. I thank you for every person sitting in here, and I just pray that your spirit would touch their souls through the testimony of what you've done in my life, and you would be glorified. In your mighty name I pray, amen. So I'm gonna be sharing a little bit about my life, but I'd like to start off by asking you guys if you'd all mind doing me a favor. Do you mind closing your eyes, please, and just trying to just blank out for a little bit. And I'd like you to ask yourself a question. Take a moment to truly think about this question. Why are you here today? Why are you alive? Do you ever ask yourself that question? Why is it that someone else is leaving this earth as you sit here right now today? If you look back on your life, can you count on 10 fingers how many times you have had near-death experiences, no matter what they may have been? You guys may open your eyes. I just really feel led to share that because we often don't think about it. The Lord spoke to me and said, He formed us in the womb in Psalm 139, 13 to 16. And it says, for you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. This is basically about what happened to me, but most people speak from the beginning of their life to the end of their life, so I'm gonna speak from the end to the beginning. So, I had premonitions two weeks ago of taking my life before my 30th birthday. I had it about two years ago. Long story short, two weeks ago, I was having very hectic suicidal thoughts. Um, I've had it for over 15 years. I've been diagnosed with bipolar. Um, just a lot of things. And I'm gonna start off in 2020. So this is a photo of me in 2020. <laughs> I weighed 50 kgs. This was a photo of me. I'd just come out of hospital. Um, prior to that, I was on a cruise ship singing around the world in Antarctica, going to the most beautiful places in the world. And I came back from that and I was so like grateful for life. Long story short, I met up with a friend and I always had an addiction to smoking weed. It was my vice, getting away from the world. Never did anything else. Long story short, between February of 2020 and October 2020, I smoked two and a half thousand joints. And that's not a joke. I literally was having plastic bags full with joints. 
buds, I just hated my life, I wanted to die, I didn't care about anything. And everybody sees the best part of your life. And what I'm trying to say is that there is actually parts that people don't see. So this is the part that nobody saw. This was after I came out of hospital, I had a psychotic episode. I got out of hospital and I ended up driving from Durban to Johannesburg, I hired a car. I don't remember a second of my drive, not a single second. I was phoning my sister, screaming into the phone, saying the most unbelievable things you can think of, calling myself Jesus Christ, just completely lost. This is a photo of me at my worst. Well, one of my worst photos, the next one's gonna be a bit worse. But as you can see the difference from what that substance did and what the enemy did to my mind, and this was two years ago. So the next photo I'm gonna show you is me video calling people, telling them I'm Jesus Christ. And this is basically what I was. And God revealed to me through all of this and the change. I'm gonna put a better photo just because it's nicer. <laughs> so that was the change basically. And God's taken me through a journey that has been very, very hard, as I'm sure every single one of us sitting here have had journeys that are unbelievably hard, but there's hope in Jesus, that's what I wanna say. I've always believed in Jesus, I've always believed in God, but it's just something about it that we can't even explain. So it all stemmed from parts of my childhood. Um, a really good friend of mine who I was seeing when I was about 19 committed suicide, and me and her were like literally very close, so that to me was probably parts of why I didn't feel worthy of living. Um, takes back to parts where part of my life I was always seeking and looking for identity in the wrong things. And I've been through quite a lot of relationships with girls who haven't treated me with a lot of respect. Uh, there's some that I won't talk about because it will obviously disrespect them and I'd rather respect them than talk about that. Um, but that stems from me and what happened when I was 16, which I'll tell you what happened. So I wanted to keep my virginity for marriage. That was something that meant a lot to me. And I went out the one weekend, I got completely drunk, but blind drunk, I didn't know what I was doing and I was raped by a girl. So that for me was a really big, catalyst into what played into my life of going on to becoming disrespectful towards women, treating them with just complete disrespect. And you know, there's things that the Lord works on, He still works on in your life, we're all still going through stuff, but there's just so much hope in Jesus and believing that we are loved. And as we sang in that song that, you know, He loves us, we are forgiven. Um, I never had a belief in myself. This was me when I was 18. I was a very, very angry, young boy, I hated my parents. I just didn't like anything that they did, they told me to do, and they just were always on my case and I didn't like it, but that stemmed from being the shortest boy out of 700 people in the school by like two heads. I was bullied every day, I was locked in lockers. I was just, all that kind of stuff led to where I, where I got these thoughts from. And I've realized a lot of it as well is the mind. A lot of it is the mind. The mind is the most powerful thing on the face of the planet and people don't realize that. Um, and I grew up as a child. Um, that's me and my granddad and my sister. And I grew up as a child. My sister's been a dancer, a singer her whole life since she was like three. And long story short, but I always tried to be better than her. So 
we used to do competitions at my aunt's house where I was about five or six years old. And we would do a dancing competition and we'd both compete to get a gift. So like a little packet of chips or something. And I always knew that I was worse than her. I always knew she was better than me. And two weeks ago when I was lying in bed, literally after being on the bathroom floor in agony for like an hour, wanting to take my life, being completely suicidal, I was lying in bed just crying my eyes out and the Lord said to me, he took me back to that memory and one thing as well with the smoking, I lost all memory of my childhood for like a year, I completely lost everything. I couldn't remember a thing from my childhood. And he took me back to that moment and he said, in that moment, what you don't understand is she was dancing for dancing. You were dancing for me. And I was so proud of you in that moment. So there is, that's what he showed me two weeks ago and it's given me hope because, for example, if someone comes up to me after church and says, you, you're no, your playing is so anointed, I don't believe a word of it. I don't believe it. If you come up to me and say, you're an amazing musician, I don't believe it. I've never believed it even though I've been a full-time professional musician for 10 years. So it's just, all I wanna say is the mind is the most important part about our lives and no matter how old you are, how young you are, I think it's very, very important to realize that your mind is so key to everything that happens in life. This is me as a little boy. I think it was my first day of school. I was very small, so when I was born, I was two months premature, 1.27 kgs, and I was literally about that big. <laughs> um, that's me and my sister, my beautiful sister. Um, and just taking you a bit through my life and all of that's happened to me and know that the grace of God is always on your life whether you see it or you don't. You know, we plan our course but the Lord establishes our steps and that is an actual fact if you look at your life, everything that's happened. Um, so a couple of weeks ago I was walking on the beach and I saw two guys with a joint in their hand walking to the ocean and I was like, Lord, do I go speak to them or not? Not smoke, but do I speak to them? So they walked off and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do it. And I ended up following them. And I said to them, guys, how are you? Chatted to them, I got, a, got to know them a bit. And I said to them, I was like, guys, you know, I just wanna let you know a bit about my story and what happened. And I told them what happened to me. And one guy was completely out of it, but the other guy was very interested. And he said to me, he was like, my sister's actually a neurologist and she's told me the effects of smoking weed. And I believe that was the Holy Spirit saying to me, be obedient, go and tell them, you might change his life, which might change his friend's life, which might change someone else's. So I've been clean from smoking for a year and six months. I've been clean from drinking for over a year. And there's nothing wrong with having a drink. There's nothing wrong with doing that. But I do firmly believe that the Bible says to be alert and of sober mind. And if if you take that for granted, it's not a joke what the enemy does. And I heard a saying a couple of weeks ago where it says, if you give the enemy an inch, he'll take a mile. And it's very, very true. Yeah. So I just wanna close off with that little boy in his half sock there <laughs> with his little goggles on. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's a photo of me and my dad who will be coming to church in the next service for the first time in about 30 years. So I'm very grateful for that. And I just wanted to read Ephesians 2, verse one to five. It says, as for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins. 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So my first point of where I started to make you guys close your eyes is every breath you take, everything you do, think about it. Think about what you're doing. Think about why you're here. We complain so much as human beings, we become so self-absorbed. Greg sent me something a week ago that made me realize that my suicide is selfish. All of it is selfish, it's the enemy putting, projecting self onto me and I need help from people. Oh, help me, feel bad for me, feel sorry for me. And at the end of the day, what's the point in living if we're selfish? Jesus didn't die to leave us selfish. He died to leave us selfless. So, just on that verse, the last thing I'm gonna say is, there is a chief of the air who encourages us to do wrong, to become disobedient, to do this, to do that. Just because you can't see it with your eyes doesn't mean it's not real. And I heard this on the radio a couple of weeks ago and it really sparked something in me. It says, you believe you are breathing oxygen, why? How do you know, have you seen it? You've, never, you've seen the effects of oxygen in the leaves on the ground. You always thought seeing is believing but you never have seen oxygen. You will have to rethink the idea that seeing is believing. Without oxygen, you will die. That is like faith. Faith is believing without seeing just like we believe that oxygen unseen keeps us breathing. And one last point, it takes faith to believe in Jesus. It also takes some kind of faith to not believe in Jesus. So Proverbs 3 verse five, one of my favorite verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Thank you. That was really well done, Brad. Well done. So good. Um, just, to, just to say, you know, all of us are on a journey. And um, even Paul, who wrote so much of the New Testament, said, I have not yet arrived. Uh, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ took a hold of me. And Dan, thank you for being so brave and openly and vulnerably sharing with us your story. And, and people do need to know that smoking weed is not good for you. It just doesn't help you. It's an escape. So I want to just launch, launch off that. And um, that question that Dan asked, have you ever wondered why you are here? Yet people you know, people you love, are sadly no longer here. Is it just haphazard meaninglessness? Is it just random luck or bad luck? Or is there more to it? What is the purpose of it all anyway? At some stage, if you're a human being with some thoughts, you are gonna think that, surely. What comes of somebody who dies tragically at an early age, maybe 14, 15, and then somebody else lives till they're 92? What happens when somebody has lived well, caring for others and sharing with the poor, while another just lives hedonistically? just selfishly, just for self, hurting others around them, 
not caring deeply. What happens? What happens when somebody young, innocent, is raped, emotionally scarred, feels like they'll never be worthy again, is, sorry, if there really is nothing at all, after we die, wake, yet humanity somehow finds something innate within them to recognize what's okay and what's not okay, to recognize what's just and not, what's not just. There's something inside, surely like God says, we were made in his image and able to recognize it. Maybe it's God who put eternity in the hearts of men like the scripture says. Purpose, what is purpose? Are we living with purpose? Are we called to live with purpose? I mean, at the end of the day, is there really an evaluation of what a meaningful life is? Not what a successful life is, what a meaningful life is. Will we stand and be evaluated one day? Or is there just nothing? Can all the major religions be wrong? All of them. I mean, is there really no God at all? All the major religions believe there is. Or are we the highest form of life in the universe? Are we the masters of our own destiny, able to create and able to do until we die? Which means we weren't masters but slaves to death anyway. Apparently, over 93% of the world think that there is some God. That means that around only seven out of 100 people fall into the category of atheist or agnostic, let me add that. And they're more agnostics than atheists. An agnostic is somebody who just says, well, there could be a God, there could be some form of higher power, but I can never really know, so then if I can't really know, then let me not bother about it and let's see what happens. The atheists, the much, much, so of the seven out of 100, most of the seven are agnostic. But then there are a few who are, I do not believe in a God, there is no God, I am God. But if you think about that small category of people, it's a very lonely and empty category. <laughs> I read this, it's just a stat, apparently. Of the majority of those seven people out of a hundred, the overwhelming majority live in China or Japan with, with, with another whole group in the UK and Sweden. Isn't that interesting? So what do the other religions believe about life after death? Hinduism and Buddhism from the East, though different in their outworking, believe in an eternal state of being and that when you die, depending on how you have lived, you get another chance to improve, to in another sense come back again in some form or shape, to improve upon how you lived until finally you achieve nirvana, you achieve that state of perfection. I don't know about you, but I don't want to come back and try again. <laughs> Islam, believe, a, in a more fatalistic existence where the will of God is done. 
The will of God shall be done. God is sovereign and he orchestrates his will. So no matter what happens, God's will is done, whether good or bad. Hence the saying, inshallah. I personally cannot understand that everything on planet earth is the will of God. I cannot accept that tragedy and rape and all kinds of stuff is the will of God. So as for me, I will not serve any God who's like that. As a sideline, atheists, in a sense, believe in nothing. There's nothing after death. It's a purposeless existence. Just do what you can, have as much fun as you can, enjoy the pain and suffering, and then there's nothing. Sorry, that's not for me either. If you tell me I'm not going to see one day my mom or my dad or my wife or if, if my child died or my wife died or whatever, uh, I'm not going to see them again. Um, so that's not for me. I need a theology. I need a theology that's an understanding of God and a worldview that makes sense of the reality of life. And after studying, I have found this in Christ Jesus. I have found it in the gospel of God, in the good news of God in Christ. Now, a lot of people may have a problem with the church. A lot of people may have a problem with Christians because Christians make up the church, especially hypocritical Christians. But I challenge you to find a problem with Jesus Christ. I challenge you to study his life, to look at, the, at in particular, the four different um, perspectives of the eyewitnesses, the accounts of his life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that were recorded. I challenge you to look at his life and find reason to dislike or to say that's a lie. The amazing thing is that I've looked at the other great, great lives, spiritual lives, whether they were gurus or holy people of other faiths, I've looked at their lives. In other words, how did they live? Who were they married to? What were their children like? What was life like for them? And every single one of them, not one of them can stand next to Jesus. Not one of them can even stand side by side with him. That's how elite his life is. He is the only one, in my view, who has ever mastered life. In other words, no matter what any other human being did to him, they were never able to bring him down to their level in anger or hate or bitterness or unforgiveness. He absolutely mastered life. And the good news is the Bible says he's still alive today. Both Judaism and speaking about those, those worldviews now of the different religions, both Judaism and Christianity see life after death the same. With Christianity living in the fulfillment of what Judaism is still looking forward to because they never recognized that Jesus was the Messiah prophesied about by Isaiah and the others. So that's the big difference. We live in the fulfillment of what they are still hoping for. But a nagging question I have, in terms of our human beingness, is if we are continually 
growing, advancing, evolving into something better. Like technologically, we're advancing, we're creating better, better things, which are at the same time messing up our planet, and now we're having to go back and undo what we created. So we, we're a little bit confused. We think we're doing well. But here's the deal. In the, in the however long we say man's been alive for, whether we say it's been several thousand years, several hundred thousand years, several million years, 57,000 million billion years, who cares? However man has been alive for, how have we got better morally, ethically in our souls? We have not, because we are unable to get better in ourselves. Because something like a virus got into our beings when we first rebelled against God, when we first stepped away from God and didn't trust God and decided to trust ourselves. And this virus has perpetually been passed on from one generation to the next. And we are unable to somehow improve upon ourselves. But the question the world wants to ask is, so if there is a God why doesn't he do something more radical to change the world? That's the question. The answer is, he did. And if you understood what actually took place when Jesus stepped onto this planet, when God gave himself to this world, when he came to live as a man, in the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in bodily form, if you understood what he came to inaugurate, what he came to set in motion that can never be changed, that can never be stopped, it is as sure and as a, it's absolutely irrevocable. When you understand what he did, you know God did everything to change the world. But only those who believe get to experience it now until one day all men will see the reality and fulfillment of what he began whether you believe or you don't. But he came to live a life that was beyond our ability. See, no matter how hard we tried, we could not master life. You can go and live on a mountain and meditate for, for, for 20 years and come back into your workplace and try and master life, good luck. Because somebody's gonna get your goat. Some of you, don't, we don't even have to go to work. It happens at home. <laughs> What's amazing is Jesus successfully masters life and then willingly lays his life down for us. And upon himself, he takes upon all the failures, all the failures all the failures of the world in all history. And with that failure, he takes upon himself the judgment that was due to you and me and every human being. And he does it willingly. And he does it joyfully, but with a lot of pain. And this good news doesn't stop there. Because not only does he take it away, but he then gives you who believe his righteousness as a gift. He gives you his perfection. That doesn't mean you're a perfect human being. It means that when you're in Christ, God sees you as complete and lacking nothing because you have believed in the only one who ever lived the perfect life. This, dear friends, is the incredible goodness of God. He says, I'm at peace with you. 
you are just. I see you as if you never ever did one thing wrong. In this, he redefines our identity. And you would have heard that come through in our worship this morning. You would have heard it come through in Dan's testimony. But the redefining of our identity is critical to us living well on planet Earth, especially as children of God. You see, when we are still searching for our true meaning as a person, who we are in relation to all else that's going on around us, what are we doing here on Earth? What's my purpose? and we pursue all kinds of agendas, and we think we discover it, and then we get confused again. And then we think we know this, and then suddenly we're confused again. Identity crisis is the dilemma of our time. Derek Morphew wrote the following. These common causes of identity loss have been exacerbated in the Western societies in recent times, in the peculiar mix of post-modern values and social media. The effects are particularly evident in the millennial generation where teen suicide is becoming a worrying factor. The highest value in this culture is self-determination or self-identification. Listen to this, pre-teen, School students are told that their sexual identity is not a given. They must make a heroic choice to self-identify. To make this choice, they will often elevate chaotic opinions that they find in social media, even above the affirmations of tangible human beings whether they be family or church or friends. The irony is that in a society that highly values the right to self-identity, the result is the loss of a healthy self-esteem. Doubtless, many other causes could be mentioned. Against all these, the redeeming love of God comes to us in Christ. He calls us Beloved, he gives us names and titles like son and daughter of God, co-heir with Christ. You're a saint. You're a member of God's family. And friends, I want to say this. Once we have won the battle of our identity in Christ, we will be better placed to minister the kingdom of God more powerfully on planet Earth. Christians, we live differently because we've been identified by God and not by self. Because if you trust yourself, maybe you presume too much upon the ability of your own soul. We are different. We don't grieve the loss of a human life close to us the way the world does. Yes, we grieve, but not the same way because we have an incredible rich hope that we live again. Because God is the author of life and God is eternal and he's made us sons and daughters who are now eternal in him and whoever believes in him, though they die, yet shall they live. We are rich in hope. Christians, we who walk with Jesus, we carry a peace beyond understanding, beyond circumstances. 
we as Christ followers carry a joy that is not dependent upon success, upon wealth, or upon any circumstance. Jesus' people are not perfect. We don't get it right always. But we know that we have already passed from death to life. We have already passed from judgment. We are already accepted in the beloved. In fact, we are excited one day. For the Bible says it has been appointed for every man to die and then to face evaluation. And then to face. Well, we as Christians are excited about evaluation. Don't know about you, but if you read the scriptures, you will be excited about that day because there is no fear of punishment, but just a desire to be welcomed in to this eternal glory that he has prepared in advance for those who believe in him. I haven't got time to go into all that happens in that place because I want to end off. But imagine we are wrong, Christians. Imagine we are wrong. Even if I'm wrong, I want to tell you, I'm living the most amazing life because I don't carry guilt or shame. I feel so free inside my heart. I have peace that isn't dependent upon circumstances. I have joy that isn't dependent upon how successful I am or how much money I'm making. I have something inside. If there is no God, I don't know where this comes from, but it feels amazing. So if I'm wrong, I've lived the best life. I wouldn't want to live any other life. I wouldn't want to smoke two and a half thousand joints in six months, however long it was. I wouldn't want to. Christians, you have the grace of God to live. You have his energy. You have his Holy Spirit. You have his power to live beyond yourself. You are set up to shine for Jesus, not live for self. But let his voice identify you. Don't self-identify. Let the truth of God's roar identify you. Let's stand together.